0: Welcome to the Relatable Finance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joseph Carl and Shane Phillips.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Relatable Finance. For some time now, we've seen some rapid increases in the price of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. and We've also seen greater adoption here recently across institutional investors and corporations. Given the continued growth, we wanted to dive deeper into the space and try and answer some common questions people may have, and also try and shed some light on why this area has grown so much in recent years. Also, given how new and different this area is, we knew that just one episode wasn't going to cut it. So this is the second episode in our Bitcoin series.
2: As a reminder, our first episode on this covered really the basics. So we discussed the history of Bitcoin, We went into a little more depth about blockchain, essentially the the technology behind Bitcoin, how that works. We talked about cryptography and just generally how the whole process works. But that was really just the tip of the iceberg. And there is so much more to discuss. Yeah. So
1: one of the areas that has really puzzled me and concerned me about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is where do you store it? It's hard for me to fathom not being able to touch and feel something. I know that with the money in my bank account, I will not likely never go and take all the cash out and be able to hold it, but at least I know I can if I wanted to. There are also all these horror stories about people either getting hacked or losing their password to their Bitcoin account. So are there ways to accurately secure your Bitcoin?
2: And very simply, Joe, yes, there there are. And there are various ways to secure your cryptocurrency. And the different options have trade-offs for things such as trading capability, ease of access, and security. Probably the two places to start is the distinction between the private and the public key and then hot and cold storage. And we talked about this a little bit in the prior podcast.
1: Yeah, so when you own cryptocurrency, what you really own is the private key to use the cryptocurrency. This makes sense as there's nothing that you actually physically hold. Wallets contain public and private keys. This can be kind of confusing, but I've heard various examples such as thinking of the public key as an email address and then the private key as the password or the public key as a mailbox, and then the private key as the key to unlock that mailbox. In both examples given, it's easy to see that the private key is what needs
2: to be kept secret. Hot storage refers to digital wallets where you can store, send, and receive digital tokens. Hot wallets are connected to the internet, and because of this, are easier to hack if hackers can obtain the private key. Again, if they can obtain the private key. These are more ideal for people that are day trading currencies or when you need more access to it. The less ideal for long-term storage. Cold wallets are
1: not connected to the internet and therefore much more difficult to hack. These can be kept anywhere from writing down the key code on a piece of paper, a USB drive, or even an external hardware. Even though cold storage is safer, you still have to protect the private key. If someone somehow obtains your private key, your cryptocurrency can be stolen. And cold storage is where you generally hear stories about people losing their password and not being able to access their cryptocurrency. Both of these different types of wallets are different from an exchange, which is where you'd actually go to buy and sell Bitcoins or other cryptocurrencies. So we have a better understanding of how to store these digital assets, but how do we know that Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies will be around in the future? Why does it need to be Bitcoin and not something else? After all, the code to create Bitcoin is out there in the open public. What prevents someone else from duplicating Bitcoin or other cryptos taking over?
2: Well, given that Bitcoin has only been around since 2008, it's tough to say with certainty what the future may hold and how the future may evolve from here. I mean, look at how the internet has evolved and changed the world since it originally came out in the 1960s. So let's start with why having cryptocurrency makes sense to even have. That really boils down to two things really. Decentralization, which we discussed at length in our previous episode, and speed and efficiency. With digital money, things can just happen faster. There have been developments and attempts to create digital currency for some time now I mean, how many people actually use cash anymore? And my answer would have been no one until the last time Joe and I played golf and he actually paid for my lunch, thank you, but he paid for it in cash. So the fact that that's so rare does show that the future may be a little bit different because so many transactions are now done digitally, either by online payments and credit cards. And at the end of the day, conducting transactions digitally means faster transactions and more efficiencies.
1: But one of the challenges was that we could develop a way for there not to be someone in the middle to check and verify transactions, while at the same time making sure that no one was cheating or double counting their money. That's the role of the Bitcoin miners who solve the cryptographic codes and is what allows the system to be open and decentralized. So having a digital currency is potentially a good thing. How do we know it will exist in the same form that they are today? The shorter answer is we do not know. But there's an awful lot of momentum and infrastructure being built around Bitcoin which in theory gives it staying power. A good analogy I heard is how valuable is Facebook if it only has one user? Probably zero. But if a lot of people use it, then it has value. The more Bitcoin gets ingrained into society and the more people use it,
2: the more they'll be around in the future. I totally agree. You've seen the adoption coming more and more and there is currently a lot of momentum behind it. So just a, a few things. Coinbase, which is the predominant cryptocurrency exchange, recently went public. We live here in South Florida, Miami Heat recently sold the naming rights of their arena to FTX, which is a cryptocurrency firm. There have been discussions about government employees getting paid in Bitcoin or being able to pay taxes in Bitcoin. You can now lend and borrow Bitcoin and some contracts are being paid in Bitcoin. We've seen this with some of the professional sports teams. So in short, there's a ton of momentum and the more people use it, talk about it, the more staying power it will have. And going back to the example earlier with regards to Facebook, you could create another Facebook, but it doesn't mean it'll have the same value. There's a brand associated with Bitcoin, which is becoming more and more of a sense of familiarity, which can allow it to go more mainstream.
1: So there have been some concerns, though, that the government might ban it or have regulations in place that may diminish its value. Will government step in? The answer, again, to this question is we do not know. At the moment, that does not appear to be the case. And even if they wanted to, there are debates as to whether they actually could. In my opinion, if the government wants to ban something, they will find a way. They did, after all, take our gold a long time ago. So some recent
2: developments from a governmental perspective that are worth noting, that may give us clues to where things may be headed in the near term. In July of 2020, the Office of the Comptroller of Currency published a letter providing some clarity on their view that banks and other financial institutions can provide custody services such as safekeeping of private keys. Later last year in December, the SEC announced that special-purpose broker-dealers could custody assets and would have a five-year relief from enforcement, essentially paving the way for these institutions to continue to explore cryptocurrencies and the innovation
1: that can come with it. In January of 2021, the SEC announced that banks could act as nodes in the confirmation of cryptocurrency transactions And both Fed Chair Jerome Powell and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen have recently made comments on the prospects of a potential for a digital dollar. These recent events suggest that the U.S. government is at minimum willing to consider digital cryptocurrencies, which suggests that there may be some room to grow. But this does not mean the government will not step in in the future or even immediately out of nowhere. After all, we pay our taxes in dollars, which is denominated by U.S. government, and fiscal and monetary policies are used to boost or support our economies during times of weakness. If at some point Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies threaten or undermine this, the government's stance on cryptocurrencies may change. But right now, the U.S. government appears to at least willing to allow the space to continue to grow and develop, seeing what innovations
2: can come from it. So we all know that Bitcoin has done amazing recently. But is it worth $60,000 or $2,000? Who knows? How can we value it? For other types of assets, there are various metrics you can try and use to quantify how much is that asset worth. For example, with stocks, you have the P-E ratio or something like the dividend discount model. With bonds, the coupon and maturity are set forth, and you can generally look at the current interest rate environment and the underlying credit quality to get a good gauge of what the price of a bond probably should be. While these are valuable, it is supply and demand in the market that will determine its value. But there are some things we
1: can consider. Given its fixed supply, one could view Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as a store of value, similar to how gold is viewed. If we assume for a moment that all the Bitcoin should be equal to all of the value of gold, which currently has a total market value of around $11 trillion, and taking that into consideration relative to the 21 million Bitcoins in supply, the value of Bitcoin should be around $52300,000, quite a bit more than the current value. Another way to look at this is to look at all cryptocurrencies, which if we take all cryptocurrencies, the total market value is currently around $2.1 Assuming that the value of all cryptocurrencies would be equal to the value of gold, the value of these cryptocurrencies would need to grow by around five times their current value to be on par with the total market value of gold.
2: So both of those compare Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies to that of gold, which is viewing them as a store of value, meaning that the amount of goods and services crypto assets can purchase should stay relatively stable over time. Well, that is not the case, as recently we've seen crypto assets have surged in value, And the reason they have surged in part is this view that they will eventually be considered in this manner. Some other ways to potentially value Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies is by taking into consideration the total amount of outstanding Bitcoin, the total amount of purchases made with Bitcoin, and how quickly the total supply of Bitcoin is turned over, which is the velocity of money, or in this case, the velocity of Bitcoin, which is often a way to value other currencies. This is really taking into consideration how often and the total dollar amount of transactions that Bitcoin is used for purchases. And the more Bitcoin is used for purchases, in theory, the more
1: valuable it will be. Another approach is Moore's Law, which is often used to value technology companies and states that the value of an asset is equal to the square of the number of participants. Or said another way, the value of the cryptocurrencies grows exponentially as more and more users are added. And lastly, what is the cost of production? Bitcoin miners use a lot of energy to verify transactions And the more Bitcoin is used, the higher the energy costs will be. Given the current concerns of climate change and clean energy, this is a potential negative for cryptocurrencies and is one area where we could see some government regulation and and taxation in the future.
2: So this is all great, but why has the price of Bitcoin increased so much? So as we've mentioned, Bitcoin was created in 2008 in the depth of financial crisis as a way to transfer value over the internet. Since the inception, the price of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have been very volatile, but we've seen substantial growth really since the onset, and especially in the last year or so. There are several reasons for this huge growth in value, the blockchain technology behind it, the ability to use Bitcoin as a means of exchange, and the fixed supply of it. But a big factor to consider is the environment or environments we've been in since its creation. The reason that this is relevant is that it all started around
1: the timing of the financial crisis, a time where the entire world economy was in trouble, so central banks lowered interest rates and used other types of unconventional monetary policy to try and stimulate their economies. Given the degree and amount of accommodation, you would generally expect inflation to move higher and the purchasing power of a dollar to decrease as the money supply had grown significantly.
2: And this accommodation was really accelerated with the global pandemic. Not only has the U.S. government been extremely accommodative, but so have governments across the globe in an effort to boost their economies during the pandemic. Said another way, Governments have essentially been printing money. Money supplies across the globe have increased. And given the technologies behind the cryptocurrencies, the greater adoption among corporations and institutional investors, further clarity on storage and safekeeping, Bitcoin, because of its fixed supply, looks like an attractive investment. So to wrap up today's episode, we went over hot and
1: cold storage, which are different ways to store your cryptocurrency, the benefits of moving to a digital currency, and the efficiencies with which it creates. The infrastructure being built around Bitcoin and the increased interest, what gives it staying power. Recent comments from the government that suggest that at least in the near term, that they're willing to tolerate Bitcoin crypto or crypto to see what innovations and efficiencies can come from it. And lastly, the extremely accommodative fiscal and monetary policies by the U.S. government in response to the financial crisis and then COVID-19, which have created the perfect environment for an asset such as Bitcoin that is viewed as a store of value. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Relatable Finance. As always, if you have any questions, please email us at podcast at Probwealth.com and please follow us on Twitter at Finance Podcast.
0: Provenance Wealth Advisors is not a registered broker dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services Inc. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Provenance Wealth Advisors and Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Inc. Any opinions are those of Relatable Finance Podcast and PWA and not necessarily those of Raymond James. The information contained in this report does not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. There is no assurance that any of the trends mentioned will continue or forecasts will occur. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but Raymond James does not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision. It does not constitute a recommendation. Investment involves risk, and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Investing involves risk, and investors may incur a profit or loss. Raymond James does not provide tax or legal services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Future investment performance cannot be guaranteed, and investment yields will fluctuate with market conditions. Any examples given in the podcast are for illustration purposes only. Actual
1: investor results will vary.